Welcome to the All-Star Networking Podcast. It's the show where you hear from a new expert each week on how to build an all-star network, increase business sales, grow careers, find a job, or enrich your life. Let's get it started. From the Midtown Global Market in Minneapolis, here's your host, Kathy Paper. Welcome to the All-Star Networking Show. So excited to be here as always, sitting at the Midtown Global Market at the Hub where everything's going on. Joining us today is Bruce Langer, a friend of mine. So introduce yourself to the listeners. As always, Matt Tell is with us. Tell the listeners about yourself. Well, Kathy, thank you for having me. Um, like I said, I've known you for a, we've known each other for a long time and kind of watched each other grow up and, and figure stuff out along the way, so to speak. Born and raised in Hopkins. and went That's to the Minnesota for Hopkins, anyone. Hopkins, Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, so it's an uh, inner ring suburb, if you will, of, of Minneapolis on the west side. And I started working very young, kind of my own little entrepreneurship with uh, shoveling driveways, mowing lawns, fell into caddying. Um, if you can line all those up, very much independent contractor uh, type of work. Caddying and the game of golf has been very, very good to me. I earned a Evans scholarship, which is a four-year tuition and housing scholarship. So if there's any smart doesn't have to be a good golfer, but a hardworking kids, both men and, and women, that want to earn a potential scholarship to college. Caddying is the greatest first job ever, and I'd be happy to share a link yes. afterwards to, to turn people on to that because there are a handful of good clubs around the cities that have, Minneapolis-St. Paul, that have strong, strong caddy programs. At the University of Minnesota, earned an accounting degree. Uh, started my career at KPMG, which was one of the big six firms at the time. Um, we're now down to the big four. Spent probably seven, eight years in CPA, public accounting land. In the late 1990s, everyone I knew in investments was just crushing it. And I felt I'm smarter than they are and I work harder than they do. So I got into the investment business in 2000. Um, this was the dot-com buildup and have learned a lot ever since. So I've been in the investment industry for about 22, almost 23 years now. Earned my CFA in the early 2000s and have sort of worked my way through a lot of really high quality, high net worth investment firms and decided to start my own in uh, 2012 with our good mutual friend, uh, Dan Aronson. Excellent. Uh, on the personal side, father of three boys that are 19, 17, and 17, um, and all doing well. Nice, nice. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm like, I, I love hearing the background story, and I know Evan Scholars, you've always talked about that program a lot, does some amazing work. You know, our show's all about networking, and so how did you first become a caddy. Did you play golf? Or did well, I think my, my dad taught me how to play golf when I was very young, like five, six, seven, eight, and he died when I was eight years old. Traumatic. And oh, I think I grew up and became sort of self-reliant in a lot of ways for the things that I wanted from that point on. You know, my again, my first job was he was the guy in the neighborhood that would take out the snowblower and do all the neighbor's driveways. Nice. And the one thing that I inherited from him besides my charm and humor and good looks was was his uh you know that 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 snow blowing route maybe out of the quality of the work but maybe out of a little bit of sympathy the neighbors would then come out and pay me to do this so i had a nice little franchise at my end of the cul-de-sac in in hopkins that you know showed me the the rewards of hard work and good service 
And, you know, I didn't mind knocking on the door at the end of the job and saying it's time to get paid now. So that created the opportunity. Oak Ridge Country Club in Hopkins was very close to my house and a great summer job. I mean, it's really you're outside, you're meeting good people. And if you are articulate and pay attention, they will ask for you to caddy for them again. And that's the origins of building relationships. And it's my relationships and that time on that golf course with successful people, quote unquote, that you learn are just people. And to be 13, 14 years old and have a legitimate, authentic conversation, uh, you can learn a lot. And you're with them for four hours and you can learn the good things and the bad things about people. So I've I've kind of ridden the coattails of the game of golf uh, for a good stretch. And like I said, it's been, it's been good to me. And the full circle moments have come where I have identified other young caddies that have earned their Evans scholarship, and that's a, that's, a, that's a very, very fun moment. But networking to me in the context of this, of this conversation is kind of finding the people that you are authentically resonate with and build relationships and find out what works for you. Because there's plenty of cliches out there. There's plenty of books that have been written. Um, you're going to absorb and take in as much as you can. But at the end of the day, you got to find what you enjoy doing and what's really authentic to you. And it's very, it's been easy for me to meet somebody on the golf course, have a good time, and then build that relationship with, with follow-up. Okay, I'm thinking about this of authentically resonate. Like, and when you authentically resonate with somebody, what does that mean? And because remember, I just showed you my, the tea, <laughs> the little tea that, from golf. I don't know anything oh, about golf. So if I'm on the golf course and you're the caddy and we're playing golf or we're talking, what does authentically resonate mean? How do you get to that space where you're comfortable talking with anyone? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's sort of uh, testing the waters. Like when you're a caddy, you're definitely in a service position, right? You are working for the person who is directly evaluating you. Here's a great story that I tell often. Um, 13 years old, brand new to caddying. It's 1984 because I was 13 and I know this story. I was caddying for Jay Applebaum, and so this was Sid Applebaum's son, and they were in the grocery business. If you guys remember Applebaum's, which came into Rainbows and and Sid Discount Liquors, you know, there's there's this um, very classic old school grocer, yep. and I'm caddying for Jay, and it's some sort of match. And you know, I'm a kid, I'm 13 years old, and the bag kind of bounces off the ground with every step. But we're having a good time, and the match goes into extra holes, and. I'm getting to know Jay, and he's just a great guy, and he'll probably hear this. He's, he's still around. I go, Jay, I hope you win this match. I don't know how many more holes I can go, though, because I'm going to go see Karate Kid tonight with my mom. <laughs> and I think he thinks that was the best story ever. And I think we won on the fourth extra hole, and I hauled ass out of there because I was going to go see Karate Kid Probably, you know, movie of the year in 1984. But that's, okay. and, you know, Ralph here's, a re- here's a relationship that's going back 39 years, 38 years, that I can still run into Jay and share that story. That's an authentic moment. I mean, I remember this from a long, long time ago. And I think a good thing about networking and authenticity and making yourself memorable is to make sure that the other person doesn't forget that moment. Because, you know, I don't like cliches, but cliches work. Um, People won't remember what you say. They'll remember how you made them feel. That's great. That's great. Well, and that's why I say it, because you are very, I don't know, I guess the word authentic, I just say when we show up, I was, you know, I don't, I was beaming to see you. I was happy to see you, and it's genuine. 
Evans Scholars Program too. You're really involved, right? Are you? Weren't you on the board? So and, yeah, uh, you know, once you're a scholar, you're a scholar for life. But as you kind of grow up through business and in in life, you kind of pick some volunteer opportunities. And it was a very natural, easy one for me in that I was a great beneficiary of the program. And so you kind of flip that and become a benefactor. Um, I was at a club where there was a strong caddy program, so that made a lot of sense. Early in my career, I volunteered for the Alumni Association, which is a great way to network, right? You have an affinity with these people. And what I love about the Evans Scholars is that there are 11,000 of us across the country. And with a very similar background through golf, um, through caddying, through financial need, and you know that creates a, a bond, if you will, that can carry off through life. And when you have the opportunity to pay that forward, most personally, it's when caddies at Oak Ridge become Evan Scholars. I think that's fantastic. More at a statewide level, very involved in raising money so we can send these kids to great universities like the University of Minnesota. And then focus on their careers because of this strong network of other alums and very biased here, but because of the, the background, um, the support network of in schools, a lot of Evan scholars go off to successful careers in whatever lines that they do. And so you can do some great mentorship as well, right? There's always a couple of kids in the house who are in finance. And then the program has done a fantastic job of, of post-graduation, right? Not just to keep people involved from a fundraising standpoint, turn them from Evan scholars into contributors, but also help them find jobs, help them navigate careers. And that network effect is very, very powerful. Um, I think I spoke a little bit earlier about as my kids are moving on into their, their, their own flight path, what am I gonna do with a lot of my extra time? And I'm going to Palm Springs this winter because that's what people from Minnesota do to go play you a little are. golf, just for a week. Okay. And I asked, where can I go play golf? And I went to my Western Golf Association director, and I found a fellow director from Philadelphia who I didn't know, but I sent him an email. I said, hey, I'm going to be in. I see you're a member at this club. I'd like to learn more about this club. He emailed me right back and said, this will be easier to talk about. Give me a call. And so the advice, I think, in networking is, is don't be afraid. And a lot of people today, maybe it's that younger generation, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's technology and, and social media, picking up the phone still works. It's, it's more powerful than texting back and forth. You get lost in, in tone. And when you talk to somebody, when they can hear your voice, you have that ability to, to share your enthusiasm. And they can listen more and either like you more or like you less based on how you just interact. And what, where networking is successful is in that interaction because all things equal, somebody's going to go with either the better service or the cheaper price on depending on what is you're, you're shopping for. But if all those things are lined up, they're going to work with the person they want to work with. They're going to work with the person they like more. And I don't say work on making yourself more likable. Be yourself and find somebody out there who is in a position to make decisions and helps them deploy their capital. Lots of activity today in the market as people get ready for the holidays. 30 people under this roof. Have you been to the market before? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I'm, I'm curious about as you build a business or maybe we're in the rebuild mode or, you know, again, at the market, we have 30 entrepreneurs here that are, you know, at various stages of things. A lot of people are testing out their ideas. When you were first starting your business, 2012, 
I remember, you know, meeting you guys then. I think I've been to every one of your, have you had three offices? Okay, so I've only been to two of the three offices, but how did you start building kind of that customers or diversity in your network at the beginning? Were you intentional? Did it just happen? You know, a little bit of intention. I think we were very fortunate in that enough people came with us to sort of keep the lights on. And we were in a situation where there was a, a financial safety net to kind of do the things that we wanted to do. But we became profitable very, very quickly because it was bootstrapped and we didn't have a huge overhead. And we knew that we were going to be successful, if you will, in spite of ourselves. So I was talking to an entrepreneur, runs a training facility, a gym, and memberships are down across, across that sector. And we were chatting about, you know, at this point, some entrepreneurs pivot and get very safe and protect and hold back. Others double down and like kind of go big and really ramp up marketing and advertising and figuring out what, what, what they want to do. And he asked me, well, which one are you? And I kind of said, neither, just a plotter, like one step at a time, continue the momentum. And you, you get a different trajectory in that, a kind of being that plotter. And this morning I read an article about how bonuses in the investment financial sector is gonna be down this year, right? The markets are down significantly. So all of these businesses, and again, this is that full circle getting back to uh, percentage of asset under management, those revenues are down. Well, Epic, because of our plotting, we're actually a bigger firm in 2022 than we were in 2021. So we're wrapping up our year. Our team is going to have a bonus pool that's a little bit better than last year because we're a little bit bigger firm. And we can still look and plan 2023 with optimism, with growth, with that plotting along. So I guess there's three options, right? Retrench, survive, double down and invest and, and take that risk and expect a bigger payoff or know what you do, do it well and continue to grow those relationships and, and happy clients bring you more happy clients. And so, you know, every entrepreneur has probably knows this, keep your current clients happy because they're going to run across people that need their services. Epic's going to come into that conversation. And then if the relationship is really good, you can ask, right? I mean, do you know anybody who's writing a book, right? Do you know anybody who's selling a business? I'd like to get an introduction to them. And I think that's where I feel in my career right now that I can call somebody, if I identify a target, I can call somebody and say, can you make an introduction for me? I mean, I know you're good friends with Harvey McKay, but if I really wanted to go off right. after Harvey, I could call, hey, Kathy, can you get me a, a meeting with Harvey? I want to talk to him and Carol Ann about things. Yeah. You know, I think early in my career, I felt like there was no such thing as a bad meeting. Like, just go to lunch. Like, and, and, and in CPA land, you know, people aren't naturally wired to meet new people and go out there. And, you know, not saying no for the first decade or so kind of gives you a feel of what you are enjoy, what you are good at, the types of things that you gravitate, the types of people that gravitate towards you. But there does come a time when saying no becomes super important. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to learn that for yourself, that there are, there are some bad meetings. There are some wasted networking opportunities where it's all the same people. Serial networking is great for a while, but then it does need some refinement. Some you need to kind of figure out, like, the people that I need to help to, to get me to where I want to be, 
and vice versa. I think people, I have the reputation of that, hey, if you want something here, um, Bruce is probably a good person to talk to. And, you know, it started out through that self-selection, through that self-gravitation. Golf, Evan Scholarship was easy. You know, I, I volunteered for some treasury positions because of my financial background for, for, for some not-for-profits around town. Um, uh, sports and the things that my kids were involved in became very natural. Right, you were in, you were, I remember when you made the decision to get on the board of the Positive Coaching Alliance. Uh, Positive Coaching Alliance was a great organization out of California. They were kind of building out franchise offices, and um, a KPMG friend of mine, who was the CFO for Fiesta Tostitos Bowl in Arizona, was like, "Hey, they're opening a chapter in town. Can I have this person call you?" This was ten years ago. I, remember, I was launching yeah. a business, and I was like, "Sure, have him give me a call. I might know some people he can talk to." Um, but I'm starting my own business, so I got a call from the executive, the founder and executive director. He said he's coming to Minneapolis, he'd like to meet me. And I said, how about I just host a breakfast for you? Did it at the country club. I got about 10 or 12 people that I knew that were philanthropic, that had kids in sports and could probably be helpful either financially. They, we needed to raise some money before they could launch the chapter. And held that meeting, it went pretty well. The 10 people or 12 people that were there, they knew some people. There's also some other calls going out to the pro franchises, right, that are naturals to support youth sports. And we had another breakfast a few months later where those 10 or 12 people invited their 10 or 12 friends, the network effect, like perfectly. That filled up a bigger room, and shortly after that meeting we had the three hundred thousand dollars to launch the minnesota chapter and i think it was the minnesota twins that you know wrote the one big check from the poll ads that said hey we're gonna we're gonna get this on the ground and then they started building the board and i said well these three or four people that i invited in my first breakfast they'd be they'd be fantastic and the major sports franchises put people on and you know so this is this is going to be some movers and shakers within the sports community um, some people from the Minnesota State High School League and some people in corporations that could get things done. And they said, well, what about you? I was like, I'm starting this new business. I'm, I've got three young kids. You know, I'm not your guy. And I said, okay. If they, like, nobody else stepped forward. Everyone else took a step back, so I was the one person standing on the line. And we had a you great... You had to go to the Karate Kid movie, um, right? So yeah. that was why you didn't want to yeah. step into the board. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a great time. I mean, the chapter did great. Um, we got into a lot of schools, a lot of programs. I feel like we've impacted a lot of players, kids, parents, coaches, and administrators. And there's still a problem. Right. You know, youth sports is still way more serious than it needs to be. I think of you know some of your best friends are because you played sports with, mm-hmm. and so there there is a lot of benefit of it, and the Positive Coaching Alliance is still around, still active in Minnesota, and I kind of feel good about being one of the entrepreneurs, I guess, of getting that off the ground. Just it's a great story, Bruce. And do you think that um, well added bonus? Yeah. I've got a couple of folks that have been on that board with me that are now clients. Right, so there is that full circle again. I didn't go in that with the intent, but that's what happens. That's great. I call it the you to network. You have to be out in traffic a little bit to build whatever you're doing. 
you have to get out there. So a lot of the people that I'm fortunate enough to work with are successful entrepreneurs. They're all overnight success stories that took 12 to 20 years. <laughs> and the consistent factor that has made them all successful is that they didn't give up. Um, a lot of you know, success is attrition, right? Other people quit, other people dropped out. Um, you can see that in a lot of different industries and there is definitely in, in investing and in compounding in, in business a, a compounding effect. Like Warren Buffett at 60 was successful but as an investor, it all came in the last 30 years. Right. You know, decide what you want to be and be willing to, you know, sometimes make some sacrifices. When Dan and I set up Epic Partners for the first couple of years, said, hey, we got a nice little clubhouse from which to manage our affairs. It resonated with the people that we wanted it to resonate with and it started to grow and then we wanted some help and now we have a business, right? Now we pay salaries. And now I we... would argue you had a business when you were in your basement. Right. You had a business at the other Thank office you. with the two chairs. That it just wasn't your vision yet. You keep plotting. You absolutely keep plotting. And that's from a the original napkin math was a business that we've achieved. And so now awesome. we need to retool, we need to re-strategize. It's like first ten years is great. What's the next decade look like? And that's that's kind of the fun part of having a business because it is your vision. Incorporating the dreams of not just myself and Dan, but the rest of the team, the way that we do what we do, I have a lot of pride in. And one of us is the low, lowest common denominator on any given day, but it's a very, very high bar. I'm very proud of it and uh, not too worried about it. And from a, from a network standpoint, feel that Epic and I have a really strong reputation for what we do. Bruce, you do. You have a phenomenal, you're surrounded by phenomenal people and what you and Dan have built at Epic is so impressive. So what, you mentioned Harvey McKay, who, yes, just did turn 90. But what I found out was he didn't write his first book until he was 58 years old. So he has se seven or three, I don't know the exact number of New York Times bestsellers. But for anyone out there that is wondering about their network or where they're at, you know, kind of taking that risk to meet somebody new. He, Ken Blanchard was at his birthday party. I don't know how old he was, but Ken Blanchard was how Harvey first got into writing a book because he gave a speech to the Young President's Organization on how to run a successful envelope company. How did he do it? Because every, you know envelopes is total commodity. So fascinating that somebody else sort of nudged him, Ken yep. Blanchard, one minute manager, to write the book and then boom, here comes that career. So I guess I'd end maybe with any tips for how did you take that networking risk or how do you find time to network? Make it a part of your life and, you know, volunteer some of the time. I think about through my kids' school, I've got definitely some great relationships and clients that I met through my kids' schools, my kids' sports, um, my alumni association, you know, things that were just me. Right? I didn't have to go into some place that I was super uncomfortable. And when you're comfortable, that's when your authenticity comes through. And when you are networking, when you are there, you know, have a goal. Like mine one is to always to give at least one business card away. And if you're out there, do something that makes you uncomfortable. I've got my, my target of impact meetings that I want to have on a weekly or monthly basis. And then I've got that list of about 10% of them. I want them to be moonshots. I want them to be uncomfortable. I want them to be a, not quite cold calling, a little more art, but somebody who 
would be surprised to get a call from me, but it's somebody that I would really either want to work with or learn more about their industry. Yeah. Um, because if you don't get uncomfortable, you're not going to really see any change. And most entrepreneurs want to see something changing. They want to see something growing. They want, you know, they want to have that that plotting, or they want to see the results of their big marketing investments, or they want to see that profitability if, if they are holding back right now. Bruce, you're awesome. Thank you. Super fun to spend time with you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, insights, and wisdom. Pleasure to be here. Um, Epic Partners, people will check it out. And Matt, as always, thank you for hosting at the Midtown Global Market. Everybody needs to check out the events that are upcoming. There's so much going on for the holidays. Great place for gifts, of course, lovely food. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to the All-Star Networking Podcast with Kathy Paper. To learn more about strategic networking and making impactful connections, visit rockpaperstar.com. Please join us in supporting the Midtown Global Market as a vital community resource that supports small business, cultural diversity, and free or low-cost programming. Reach us at friendsofglobalmarket.org.